Isaiah 58. 58, verse 6, says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you would break every yoke? Verse 7, Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and thou bring the poor that are cast out into the house? When thou seest the naked, thou cover him, and thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh. Verse 8, then shall the light break forth as the morning. Then shall the light break forth as the morning. Let's pray. Father, have your way. Remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit, and let he that has an ear, let him hear. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. And we all said... Before you're seated, tell your neighbor, too fast, too furious. <laughs> too fast. Part two of fasting. Fasting. Now, this is very important in the Christian's walk and the disciples' walk in fasting. Why fasting? Because fasting is a powerful, powerful weapon. And if you don't know how to use that weapon, you are going to find yourself down in the battle being overtaken. It's very important to know your weapon. I've been seeing a lot of people lately on, on uh, Facebook and Instagram showing themselves at the gun range, learning how to use their weapon. And they're out there, and they're shooting that thing. And it's funny because the, the, they do these little compilation vines. I don't know if you see them. But they show people, they call them vine fails, that they try to shoot a gun, and you'll see people out there. You know, for those of you who are very not familiar with it, maybe you're familiar in the gangway, right? They put the gun like this, and they show guys out there trying to shoot a gun like that, and right away their hand goes, boom. You know, because in movies, that's how they shoot. Like, what's up? It's like, who in their right mind shoots like this? Right? But gangsters and thugs and, you know, what they see on TV, like, all right. But if you were to talk to a real marksman, they'll look at you and they'll laugh. Don't do that. You'll break your hand. You're totally off in your accuracy. You don't know how to use your weapon. See, for some of you, when it comes to fasting, you just treat fasting like someone else treats a gun who's never looking. Oh, I'll just do this. I'll just stop eating. I'll just do that. Or I just won't go over there. You don't know how to use your weapon properly. So when the battle comes and when the hard times come, it's just treated like anything else. So I don't know how to use it here. You use it. You do it. I don't know what I'm doing. You do this. No, it's very important that every Christian knows how to fast. Because times are going to come where you don't have an answer. There's going to be a time where you come in your life and you're going to try to get on the phone and you're going to try to call your best friend and they're not going to pick up. There's going to be a time when you try to get on the phone and you try to call your mom or your dad and they're not going to pick up. There's going to be a time when you get on that phone and you try to call your pastor and your leader and they're not going to be able to pick up. There's going to be a time where you're going to come face to face with circumstances and if you don't know how to fast, you will get overtaken. It's very important to learn as a Christian how to fast. Fasting is a very important weapon. John Christensen said, fasting of the body is food for the soul. I think I haven't shared it a couple weeks ago. Benjamin Franklin even said, to lengthen thy life, lessen thy meals. Fasting is a very important part of the spiritual tune-up 
of every disciple, of every Christian. You and I need this in order to grow. Even Jen Hatmaker, she said, a fast is not necessarily something we offer to God, but it assists us in offering ourselves. Paul the Apostle says, I want to present myself as a living sacrifice. The presentation, listen to me, my friend, as a Christian, that's all we do. We present ourselves. Every Sunday morning, we bring a presentation of praise and worship unto God, celebration unto God. Listen, I, I want to challenge you here this morning. Learn how to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Can I hear an amen? Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the types of fasting, and I gave you a few. I'm just going to give you those, uh, uh, those four really fast over again. If you want to really get into detail, go into our podcast. They're always available for you there at voheart.org. We have so many messages and so many sermons that you can listen to. And a couple week, weeks ago, I gave you part one of this. And I want to give you the types of fast that the Bible gave men and women and prayerfully they will help you in your fasting. The first fast that we talked about was the disciples fast. The disciples fast. This kind of fast frees you from addictions to sin. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus told the disciples that this kind of happening, this kind of taking out the demons can only be drawn out, can only be taken out through prayer and fasting. And he told the disciples, listen, there might be some things that are in your life that you've been praying about, you've been discussing about, but you have not been fasting about. And if you want to get relieved of these addictions, then you got to fast. See, some of you right now, I know you come to church, and you have a good time, and you feel good. But when you leave here, that cigarette just keeps calling. That alcohol, it just keeps calling. Now, here, listen to me. I'm not here to debate about what is sin and what isn't sin, but I can tell you what is addictive and what is not. Listen, this is Victory Outreach. We've been around for a long time. we got a lot of people that know what addiction looks like. So don't try to play us. Don't try to reason. Listen to me. Ours is not to reason why. Everybody tries to reason, well, that's not sin. Well, that's not sin. Well, listen, you can take it however you want, but I can tell what's addictive. See, some, some of you right now, you look at alcohol and go, oh, that's a sin. But some of you, you're addicted to TV. That thing has a hold of your life. And if you're not careful, you look at everyone else's sin, but you do not deal with yours. So some of these things, you have to be able to say, listen, I want to get rid of this addiction. I need to get rid of this. And some of them, they're not going to come out unless you pray and fast. Breaks you free from the addictions. The second fast that we talk about was the Ezra fast. This is a fast when you're in financial problems and hard times. When you're going through hard times, listen to me, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't give in. What you want to do is fast. See, some of you right now, you've been going through some financial hard times, and, and, and if not, you will. Maybe even this year, you're going to go through a season where you're like, man, I, I can barely make the rent. I want to challenge you, fast. Fast. See, we, we could try our best to buy all these books and get all these things when really the greatest book of all time that is free is giving you the answer, Fast. Ezra went through this. Ezra had, uh, 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 he needed some enlightening. He needed some understanding to what he was going to do. He was going to try to deliver the finances and get them from here to here. How was he going to do that? Before he even took step, he started fasting. Some of you right now, I want to challenge you. Before you take any step in any direction financially, take a fast. Take three days. Take seven days. Take two weeks. Whatever it might be that God has put upon your heart, and you got to fast. I want you to know this. God cares about your finances. He cares about your finances. 
But you have to be able to say, you know what, I care enough as well. Let me fast. Ezra needed an answer, and I believe God wants to answer you. The third kind of fast that we talked about was the Samuel fast. The Samuel fast. This is where the prophet Samuel came, and he declared a fast for national revival. He wanted a national revival. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen. And so when he came into leadership, the first thing that he did, he said, listen, we are going to fast. We are going to fast because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Listen to me. When is the last time you fasted just for the presence of God? Not for anything else to obtain. Not to be able to have and hold, oh, I need a new car. I'm going to fast. Oh, I need a new job. I'm going to fast. Listen, I believe that God will answer you according to your fast. But also know this. When's the last time you just fasted for the presence of God? I don't want anything else. All I want is someone else, and that someone is Jesus. I want his presence. I need his presence. I desire his presence, and I hunger for his presence. Hungering after God. Samuel wanted the presence of God. The fourth one that we talked about last week was the Elijah fast. The Elijah fast. This kind of fast breaks negative emotional feelings and habits. It breaks negative emotional feelings and habits. Listen to me, my friend. I, I, I find it very important, especially in where we're at, that we deal with a lot of men and we deal with a lot of women, especially here in the neighborhoods that we've had, that we've been having, we've been told for so long, so many times, you're an idiot. You're never going to make it. You, you're dumb. How come you don't, you don't know this by now? That's common sense. And so little by little, all these things, they start oppressing you and you get depressed and you start having negative mindsets of yourself and you're insecure and your body shape. You look at the television. And you look at the movies say, you got to dress like this. You got to look like this. Oh, you've got an issue. Oh, you feel you're fat. Oh, you feel you're ugly. Well, this is what you need. And if you don't get that, you're like, man, I'm just not the, the way that everyone else thinks I should be. And all this stuff comes upon you. All these things just clutter you, your mind, and they come upon you. And you're saying, man, I want to break free of this. Elijah even thought about committing suicide. And if you're going to break these thoughts, if you're going to break these habits that you have, I want to challenge you, fast. Fasting works. I was flipping through the television even just the other day, and I, I thought it was a joke. It was real. It was an infomercial that literally said these words, are you fat? Are you ugly? Get this pill, and it will help. I'm not making it up. It said it. I was like, no, you know, because usually they do parodies and they make fun, right? But they actually did that. And I'm looking at this thing going, oh, my gosh, this is what people think, how they're going to break that mindset. If I just do this, if I just take this, I won't be ugly anymore. This is all I need. And I'm telling you, it, it, and if you're saying, well, that doesn't happen to me, it happens to just about everybody. At one time in our lives, many of you, you've thought about suicide, right? You've thought about it before. Say, you know what? I'm just, I'm done with this. I just want to take my car and I just want to go. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've counseled many people and they've actually told me those exact words. I want to get in my car and just go off a cliff. I've just thought about that. Now, in our, in our heart of hearts, we go, I'm not going to do it. But you think those thoughts enough and enough and enough. Finally, it starts becoming a habit and you'll do it. If you want to break this habit, or you know somebody that needs to break this habit, this thinking, this oppression, this low self-esteem, then fast. Somebody say fast. Now the fifth one, and we're going to get into this one right here. The widow's fast. 
the widow's fast. In 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning in verse 10, it says, So he went to Zarephath, Zarephath, uh, he, meaning Elijah, the prophet. He, when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Verse 12. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Man, what is it with the prophet and having people around him that just want to die? Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Tell your neighbor, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and for your son. This kind of fast is the fast of meeting the humanitarian needs of others while you're fasting. Meeting the needs of others while you're fasting. In other words, whatever you would have for yourself, whatever you would take for yourself, that you would set it to the side and say, listen, I see the needs of others that they really need something, and I'm going to put it to the side, and I'm going to give it to those who are really, truly needing what I'm about to partake of. See, this type of thing that you would be able to find a place, find a ministry. We talked about it earlier, United We Can. That is a perfect ministry where you could be able to say, usually I would go to Starbucks and I would get this, but I, you know what? I see the needs of others. Let me help. This kind of fast, even in the midst of it all, it opens up your eyes to be able to see those that are in need, those that are hurting. See, the money that you would usually spend on yourself, that you would give it to others. I want you to know, when you give to others, that pleases God. It pleases God. When you're able to give what you would thought, well, I, I could take this. I need a new this or I need a new that. When all of a sudden, that's what your, your flesh wants to do and your heart wants to do. All of a sudden, in your fasting, it breaks your eyes perspective wide open and says, listen, I want to give to those who have none. Not just new but those who have none. And you know what I have found in this kind of fasting? That even as I give, God gives me. I'm, I'm like so shocked at that. I'm so shocked at that. And I think my wife had shared this even a, a, a while ago that she was amazed at how I used to live. When I would, uh, when we first got married, you know, she washed my clothes and she used to see it. And all of a sudden, little by little, she'd go, hey, where's your shirt at? And I go, oh, I I gave it away. And she used to trip on me at first. Like, what? Okay. Months would go by, and again, I would do it again and again. And then, I, and then she would ask me about two weeks later, hey, where'd you get this shirt? I go, oh, I don't know. I got blessed. Two weeks would go by. I'd give it away again. It's become a habit. I can say this with all conviction. I have formed a habit of giving. Just because that's just how it is. That's how I was raised. That's how I was taught from my father. He taught me when I was young, you need to learn how to give no matter what you have left. Give. See, a lot of times we will give based on what we have left. Well, if I have something left, I'll give to you. If I don't, hey, man, I'm sorry. I, I, can't you tell? I ain't got nothing. That's exactly what happened with this woman. She had nothing left. Matter of fact, she even said, I wanted to just die. I don't want anything left. 
But the Bible says she began to give. And when she gave, the Bible says that supernaturally, God supplied for her, even when there was a severe famine in the land. But because of her obedience in the fast, she was supplied. She was provided for. Listen to me. I know some of you right now, you think, well, if, if I start giving, what am I going to have? I'm, I'm not going to be able to have anything. I'm not going to be able to do anything. The widow probably thought like that, but she obeyed, and she listened to the prophet of God. She listened to the man of God. And when she began to give, there became a severe famine in the land. No one else had food, but she did. She had it in the time of need. Why? Because she was obedient when there was a fast. Supernatural happenings. Listen, my friend, I, I counted a privilege and an honor to be a part of United We Can. I want you to know something. United We Can is not an accidental conjured up, uh, uh, you know, idea that was in a board meeting because they were bored and said, hey, let's just do this a dollar a day. That sounds good. No, United We Can was a God idea. And I want to challenge you. If you've never been a part of a ministry such as that United We Can, I'm it's a powerful, powerful, powerful tool in the hand of God. It reaches those all over the world. See, this kind of fasting and, and really and all kind of fasting, fasting keeps you sensitive to his spirit. See, when God called Paul, he gave him his call when he was fasting. You'll find it in Acts chapter 9. When God called Peter to go to the Gentiles, he was fasting in Acts chapter 10 on a rooftop because he was sensitive to the Spirit. Even Jesus was on his 40-day fast when the devil began to tempt him. But you know what he tempted him with? He didn't tempt him with being able to just get all the riches. Not at first. The first temptation he gave him, he said, hey, here are these stones. Turn them into bread. Turn them into bread. Turn this thing into bread. He wanted to get tempted, but Jesus said, no, I got to fulfill what I'm called to do. Listen, fasting will break open the windows of heaven. They will break open things all over you if you will just be obedient to the word of God. See, my friend, don't allow the enemies in your life to cause you to focus more on your appetite than on your promises. Fasting prepares the way for God to give you a fresh revelation, a fresh vision, and even a clear purpose. Fasting prepares the way for God to give you a fresh revelation, a fresh vision, and even a clear purpose. The widow's fast allows you to see clearly the needs of others. It allows you to see the needs of others. The sixth fast, the second one here today, is the Apostle Paul fast. The Apostle Paul fast. This kind of fast is anytime you're facing major decisions, you need to fast and pray. Anytime you are facing a major decision in your life, I want to challenge you, fast and pray. Acts chapter 9, verse 7. Some of you, if you're going through a major decision in your life, you need to highlight this portion of Scripture. Matter of fact, highlight the whole chapter if you can. Acts chapter 9, verse 7 says, The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, they heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Listen, when you've got major questions and you need serious direction, you got to fast. Man, who am I going to marry? Should I date her? Is, this, is she worth it? Well, I don't know. She looks good on the outside. See, and that's the, the flesh talking. Because let's be quite honest. When you're in the flesh, everybody looks good. 
You may think, oh, no, never. I'm telling you. When you're going through a major decision, should I change my career? I want to do a different career. Should I go back to school? Nah, well, I don't know. It's not a big deal. Should, should I really further my education? What school should I go to? Should I have this? Is it something? Should we, should we buy a house? These are major decisions that many of us go through each and every day of our lives. And many of us, we find ourselves in a new season, in a new season with the same question. Should I do this? Should I not? Matter of fact, I should challenge you. For those of you that are single, if you have not fasted for your bride or for your groom now, I really don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you. I, I could tell you this. That when I got with my wife, I fasted and prayed. I did. I fasted and prayed because I wanted to make sure, is this the one? Because in the middle, after we make this commitment, we make this vow, there's no going back. There's no going back. So I got to make sure in the good times and in the bad times. And I'll tell you something. There has been times throughout our marriage where we say, okay, that's it. We're done. We're good. There's been times where we're like, let's do it in a rough way. Get out of here. And then there's been times, no, it's okay. Let's, let's, let's just part ways. But you know what I attribute it to? The fasting. The fasting that I did before and the fasting that she did before because we heard from God. And when God speaks, what God has put together, let no money put asunder. Let no job put asunder. Let no stepchildren put asunder. But fasting and praying will keep that together. When you go through a crisis in your life, what should we do? What should I do? And listen, I want to say this especially to all the husbands. If your wife don't fast, you fast. If your wife is going through a certain season in her life and she's like, well, I don't know how I'm feeling. Listen, don't go by your wife's feelings. And I could say that in front of my wife. I don't go by her feelings. When we go through a major thing, she knows that. I will not go by just what she's feeling. We will talk, and I'll know, and I'll be able to sense when I'm praying and when I'm fasting. When she gets a hold of God, I can hear it, and I go, okay, yeah, there it is. There it is. And if I need to alter the decision, I'll alter the decision, but I'll tell you right now, I won't even go by my feelings. I want to hear from God. If we're going to make a major decision, when we came up here back to Hayward, that was a major decision to come here. I shared this before. We were going to go to New York. We could have gone to New York. God said, no, I have different plans for you. And so the plan said, hey, go to Hayward. All right, well, I want to pray and I want to fast. And when we did that, God opened it up. There became an ease. It was no problem. And I, I attribute it even like Pastor Toby had shared earlier, you know, people wondering, well, how's the transition going to be? It wasn't a transition. It was just a changing of the guard. It was supposed to happen. I attribute that to many of the men and women that were here in this church already praying and fasting. They were already praying and fasting. And for those of you that were here in our time of transition, can, can we be honest right now? Can we do that? Let's be honest right now. Wasn't it? Uh, okay, maybe not for you, but for me, wasn't it kind of like it wasn't that hard or difficult, right? It really wasn't that difficult. And I say that because I've seen a lot of different, when there's a changing of the pastors, it gets, believe me, they get heated. I've been in meetings, leadership meetings, where there's been changing of the pastors, where people have stood up and said, well, you know what? Not only do I not agree with you, I hate you. I'm not making this up. And you know what? Do whatever you want. These are leaders, and then they leave. 
people coming against in the transition, just like, whoa, you could feel the tension. They would be like, okay, don't, don't say nothing. What's going on? Right? But I really attribute it to this church being a church that would fast, a church that would pray, that would seek God, that made the transition that much more easier. When you go through a major decision in your life, listen, Saul got his name changed while he was fasting. Some of you, you need a name change. You need a name change. Maybe the streets and the neighborhood, they used to call you this. You want to change that jacket? You want to change the name? Fast. Oh, that's that guy. He's a loser. He's a mess up. Oh, we used to call him this. We used to call him that. Okay, you want that to change? Fast. It, ch it changed with Saul. He was called Saul. Then all of a sudden, he became Paul. The word of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 8, it says, Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Then. The word then is a time-ordered word. In other words, first there is one thing, then comes another thing. In other words, there is a proper order. First this happens, then this is going to happen. The word of the Lord will break forth like the light. It says then. What's right before then? Fasting. Fast, then you'll get an illumination. See, a lot of people come to church and say, God, show me, reveal to me. According to Isaiah chapter 58, if you really want to get your illumination and you want to see it, first fast. Then he'll show you. Then he'll show you. The pastor or the preacher that comes behind the mic will do nothing more than affirm the word of the Lord that God gave you. Then. It's very important. See, first comes the, the fasting. Then comes the illumination. Then comes the light. Some of us right now, we might be in a dark decision place that we need some illumination. I want to challenge you. Fast. Saul changed his name, but it all started with a fast. The seventh type of fasting, and some of you are going to recognize this one. Maybe you might be on this one. is the Daniel fast. The Daniel fast. Not the Daniel Morales fast. Some of you want the Daniel Morales fast. <laughs> Praise all 90 pounds of him, amen. <laughs> but I want to show you something that God showed me here in this Daniel fast. Because you know what the Daniel fast is for? The Daniel fast, the focus is health and healing. That's what the Daniel fast is for. That's the purpose of it. In Daniel chapter 1, you'll find it. I, I, I want to challenge you. After everything I, I say, you can go home tonight, study this whole thing. Study it all. Just don't take my word for it. Study the whole, whole thing. Daniel chapter 1 verse 11 says, Daniel then sent to the guard whom the chief of the official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance, our countenance, with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with that what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Now this is very important. Daniel was chosen by the king of the tribe of Judah along with three of his friends. And later on in your own time, you could see it around. We actually know those friends. I said the name, but you kind of know them more as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. But their names got changed as well. There was always a name change in the Bible. You ever notice that? 
always some name changing. I believe that some of you here today, God's going to change your name. Somebody's name needs to get changed. Some of you this year, your last name's going to change. I'm going to do the Vince right there. <laughs> Their names got changed. And what happened was these three friends, along with Daniel, they were to come under the service of the Babylonian king. Some of you know him as King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the Bible says that these men were chosen, and they were already handsome. They were quick to learn. They were very smart. And they were qualified to be servants of the king. But they were told they didn't have what it took to be one of the king's men by the way that they looked if they didn't eat the food of the king's table. So Daniel, what he did was, he said, listen, I know we're from Judah, and you want us to come and serve under the Babylonian king, but I am not going to eat what the king eats. So what Daniel did, this is basically what he did. He said, look, let's have a contest. Look, can we have a little contest right now? Can we get a little competition going on? They're like, what kind of competition? Because you have to remember, the kings saw themselves as gods. When you read the story of King Nebuchadnezzar, he really thought he was a god. He saw himself as gods. So he's like, wait, you don't want to eat what the god is going to give you? What do you propose? What's your proposal? Well, this is what we're going to do. You got your king's men, and I got my friends. This is what we're going to do. Let them eat whatever they want. Eat meat, eat sweets, eat cakes, eat it all. Just give us nothing but vegetables and water. And if at the end of the 10 days, if we look sucked up, if we look messed up, if we don't look healthy, if we don't look accordingly to what you would feel that would be a service unto the king, then treat us as such. So that's what he did. He said, hey, I don't want no sweets. I don't want no cakes. I don't want no meat. I don't want nothing that the king's table has to offer. I want only what my creator is going to give me. Living water and the vegetables that are here. That's it. That's all that I want. And give it to me for 10 days. See, what this fast enables you to do is to make a healthy choice. See, what I love about the Daniel fast, and if I can uh, uh, kind of disclose even a little bit, last year was the first year I'd ever done the Daniel fast. I'd ever done that because whenever I heard about it and whenever I'd, it was presented to me, it was always presented in a way that was very like, okay, you can't eat this. You can eat this, but don't eat that. Okay, if it's processed, you can't do this. And so I was always presented, I guess you could say, this Daniel fast that was in a way that was very uh, standoffish and just kind of turned me off. But as I began to study, like last year when I studied the Daniel fast, I said, oh, this is what the Daniel fast is all about. All right, I get it, for health and living. I didn't know, but man, I started this Daniel fast when I was 21 years old. It allowed me to make healthy choices for my life. The, for those of you that are here within my church, I share this every so often. Well, since I was 21 years old, I have not drinking soda. I don't drink any soda. Now, that's just my thing. If you drink soda, drink whatever you want. Go for it. It's all you. It was a choice that I made to say I want to refrain from it. And I can honestly say when I was 21, and I, it started as a New Year's resolution. For that whole year, I didn't drink no soda. Now, within the past... 15 years, I've probably drank it soda a couple times. But what it is is that it's not so much the fast of the 21 days as it is allowing you to develop good habits for the rest of your life. 
That's what the Daniel fast is for. See, some of you right now, uh, I don't know about you, but I do not want to be ruled by what people put in front of me. And let's be honest, sometimes when that pie comes in front of you, you go, mm, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for this. But what's the first thing that eats the pie? Your eyes. Your eyes eat it. Not realizing is that your eyes don't digest it. Your stomach does. And your stomach then distributes to the rest of your body. And so what Daniel said, he said, listen, I want you to understand something, king, that we can be even healthier than everything else that you eat. I shared this a couple weeks ago, that you need to make sure that there is a king that is trying to sit on the throne of your heart, but he's called King Stomach. Don't let him rule your life. This is very, I, I say this with all sincerity. Listen to me. Some of you right now, you are in a diabetic state. You need to change some habits. You need to change some habits. See, far too often we try to go to the doctor and we tell the doctor, doctor, give me the remedy, but I'm going to continue to live any which way that I want. I'm going to continue to go and drink whatever I want, do whatever I want, eat however I want. Listen, your body was not created to do whatever you want wasn't created for that Daniel this Daniel fast is very important to the health and the living L listen to me I, I want you to know this some of you if you're going to answer the call of God around the world first answer the call of God at your dinner table we need your health you got to be healthy you're no good to the kingdom of God if you're not healthy you need to be healthy. I, listen, I'm not here to give you a fitness class. I, I'm in no shape or form to be able to give you any sort of conviction to tell you, look, you need to work out. I don't work out, but I definitely can tell you with all conviction. I try my best to eat healthy. I don't do this. I will try my best. I won't have this. And a matter of fact, this is the way I, I've, uh, I'm able to express it. I share that I don't drink soda. So one day when we were eating, we were all, there were all of us, we were all sitting down. There must have been 10 on that side, 10 on this side. And I, I asked, can I just have some water? My wife was sitting next to me, and she had ordered a 7-Up. A, a well, I didn't know. I grabbed over it, you know, your peripheral vision. It just kind of looks like water. I began to drink it, and I tasted it. Oh, what is this? I didn't order this. This is not what I wanted. I wanted water. But right away, when it touched my tongue, I knew it didn't belong in this body. Right away, my taste buds had changed. So what normally, what I would normally drink and normally eat, my, even before it got here, this developed something. See, some of you right now, that's why you got to understand the Bible says to taste and see. There's a connection to your perspective by what you taste. There's a connection there. And it's very important that Daniel, he said, listen, whatever you think is right, King, I'm going to show you that my God is greater. Don't you want to show everybody that your God is greater? Come on, don't you want to show everybody that your God is a healer, that God can heal you, that God can touch you, God can take you to a place where you don't have to be going to the doctors every other week, but God can heal your body right now. Listen, I believe that, that God wants to heal you right now. God wants to touch you right now. I, I, I share this, that a, a good friend of mine by the name of Tim Romero, the, the, the doctor had diagnosed him with a disease, and then he said he took this this, uh, this uh, seminar by this man. I'm going to throw his name out there because I researched him. I looked him up. If you want to, look this man up. 
His name is Jordan Rubin. He does a lot of great stuff. What he does is he teaches you how to eat the biblical way. I won't throw anybody out there that I don't think would help you. He shows you how to eat the biblical way. Bible says that my God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? Did you know that there's a way to kill a cow? I didn't know that. Maybe you did, smarter than me. I didn't know. I just learned that about six years ago. There's a way to kill a cow. I was like, wow, that's heavy. The lamb, the Jews, they eat a lot of lamb, right? Very healthy. There's a certain way to eat. See, but you and I, we say, hey, I'll take those Doritos. Oh, I love hot Cheetos. Give me some Takis. What? Because if we're honest, and we should be, eating healthy is expensive, right? It's expensive. Oh, God, I don't want to spend that. I don't want to do that. Well, if your life is important to you, you'll invest. Daniel understood that. And so the fast is to give you some healthy habits. The eighth one type of fasting, are you guys getting something here this morning? Is the John the Baptist fast. The John the Baptist fast. When you study the life of John, you will find that John fasted often. You'll read it there in Matthew chapter 9. And he fasted a lot with his disciples. Matter of fact, even the disciples got into a debate with Jesus' disciples about fasting. John the Baptist also, he made a vow of the Nazarite. And the Nazarite diet, the Nazarite vow was to be free from any wine or grapes or anything with traces of grapes. So John made a vow to never touch alcohol, never touch nothing that even had a trace uh, or a hint of wine in it whatsoever. He even had a restrictive diet in eating of just locusts and honey. John the Baptist is famous for this diet, locusts and honey. This kind of fast, the John the Baptist fast, is the kind of fast, what I believe, is to be that of a greater influence. Look with me here in John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. Somebody say witness. To testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. Jesus himself said that there was no man greater ever born of a woman than John the Baptist. This kind of fast, I believe, that you will find with John the Baptist is a fast of greater influence. How many of you want to have greater influence at your job? Come on, how many want to have greater influence with your family? Want to have greater influence with your neighbors? That when they see you, they see the light of Christ. This kind of fasting does that. It illuminates and it grows your sphere of influence. Isaiah chapter 58 even says that your righteousness will go before you. Listen to me. When you fast, it grows your sphere of influence. It grows your sphere of influence as what uh, you were opposed to before, what you try to get into. When you walk back out and you begin to fast, when you go back, you will see some influence there. Where you didn't have influence before, where people would never listen to you before, all of a sudden they begin to listen to you. When people never took your advice, they never listened to anything you said, all of a sudden, fasting breaks it wide open. And when they would never listen, they go, man, you know, I want to listen to what he has to say. I want to hear her. When you go to places and you walk in and all of a sudden people say, man, that kind of man, that kind of woman, I want to hear what they have to say. That's what this does. Listen, when you 
break open with this kind of fast, your influence will begin to grow for his name's sake. What's very important is that this kind of fasting doesn't grow your influence just for your ego or just for your pride or just so you can say, look how awesome I have or listen to, look at the people around me, but it will grow your influence for God's name. God's name. That God's name would be lifted up. That God's name would be glorified. The other day, I was in my prayer time and I was praying for this, for this man. Actually, I was praying for these brothers. I was really praying for them. And I took the time just to pray for them. And if you ever get the chance, please, please pray for them. Their name uh, slips my mind right now at this time. But the, they're brothers, and they're in Hollywood, and they're breaking open Hollywood. And I thank God for them. They just recently came up with the number one movie in America. It was called War Room. And these two brothers, they've been breaking open little by little by little. I've been praying for their influence, that God would use them to break open and be, have another number one movie in America. That get them another one. Man, I'm sick and tired of all these other. The number one movie in America, sell your body. The number one movie in America, have sex with as many people as possible. Those are the number one movies in America. The Kendrick brothers. The Kendrick brothers. These two brothers, if you saw, how many saw War Room? Anybody see War Room? Oh, wow, all right, you guys saw it. He was in that movie, just briefly. He was the, uh, the, the lawyer that the man uh, was trying to go get hired by. He had a, a, a big uh, goatee, it was a white one, and uh, right, uh, kind of balding on the top. I don't know if you guys saw him. He was there. But that same man, he's a producer, but he also acts. They call him the movie pastor. And because he's out of a church in Alabama, he made also another movie called Facing the Giants. Made another movie called Courageous. They, their first movie inspired me to want to even make a movie. It was called Flywheel. Probably never seen it. Has anybody ever seen Flywheel? Oh, wow, a couple of you. Isn't it a good movie? It, very, it blew me away. And, and it looked like they shot it with an iPhone. I'm not making it up. Like, it wasn't all that great. Like, the production, it was, I even saw the behind the scenes. The, they went to Home Depot, got some pipes, and that's how they made, and they got some wheels, and that's how they rolled the camera. Like, there's a, their budget was like, I think like $20,000. It was very, very small. And they made the movie. I was like, wow. But since then, that was back in 2001, and I've been praying for their influence. Their influence grew from a little $20,000 production movie to the number one movie in America. Listen to me. Don't ever despise small beginnings. Don't ever think for yourself, well, you know, because some of you, you have a dream one day, I want to own a business. Ah, but I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Instead of always going job to job to get hired, you are going to be the one hiring. Your sphere of influence is going to grow. That when people see you and when people acknowledge you, they go, hey, that's that man of God. That's that woman of God. Your sphere of influence begins to grow. And people begin to see you in a different light. And when they see you in a different light, the God begins to reveal himself to them through you. This type of fast, that's what John the Baptist did. He began to fast and he began to pray and he began to seek the face of God so that wherever he went, he was able to illuminate the light of Christ. I want to challenge you here today, fast, to grow your influence. A bigger influence can make a bigger impact. Can I hear an amen? As the musicians come here this afternoon, the last fast is the Esther fast. The Esther fast. 
This fast is a fast for protection against danger. Protection against danger. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 8 says, And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. This type of fasting protects you even when you can't protect yourself. In times of danger, when you feel it around you like, man, I, I just feel like something's going to happen. And I, I shared it earlier, full disclosure. I prayed and I sought God. That's actually one of the reasons why I told my wife, I said, Shell, come here. I want you to pray, bring the kids here. Because I really felt like something was going to happen Friday night. But I attribute it to prayer and fasting. Did we hear gunshots? Yes. But if you were there like I was, I didn't hear it hit anything. I didn't hear it hit the street. I didn't hear it hit a car. I didn't hear it hit a pole. I didn't hear it hit anything. Did you guys? I didn't hear it hit anything. You heard the shots, right? Okay, we all heard it. It didn't hit anything. This type of fasting, Esther, she fasted and she prayed. And even the same man who tried to kill her was hung himself by the same uh, project that was supposed to kill her. The same thing that was made and designed to kill her actually wound up killing the one who designed it. I believe Haman was his name, right? This type of fast is a fast for protection. Listen, some of you right now, you might be in a state of danger, and you're wondering, man, well, what do I do? And see, a lot of times we think, well, the cops will protect me. I'll get a restraining order. Listen, I understand that some of you right now, you are in a place and in a time where, man, I, I just, I feel like something's going to happen. Listen, you need to fast. Fast. God will protect you. God will be your provider. God will be your wall, even when you don't even, can't even build one. God will do it. God will protect you. He will be your rear guard. You know why they call it a blind spot? It's because you can't see it. When you fast and you pray, God fills that blind spot. God feels that blind spot.